You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come before your word, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds By the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. And God, pray that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Good morning. My name is Elizabeth Hayes. I'm the director of Parish Life here at Third. I'm glad to be worshiping with you this morning. We are in the fourth week of Advent, if you can believe it, and the fourth week of our Songs of Christmas Advent series. This week, our song is Simeon's Song, which is found in Luke 2, verses 25 through 35, excuse me. Um, I would invite you to open up your Bibles. I am going to be referencing a lot of the verses before and after our reading today. So if you have a pew Bible or phone, you can read along in verse uh, in Luke chapter 2. So let's listen to our scripture reading read by Timothy Wynn. A reading from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, you may know Flannery O'Connor as one of America's greatest fiction writers. She was also a devout Catholic, and after she died, some of her prayer journals were published. I wonder if any of you have seen um, that little book. Now, I just want to say that if I die, I really hope no one publishes my journals. (laughs) But I have found her prayer journals to be really encouraging to me. She is... Um, obviously a beautiful writer, and she's very devout, and her prayers are just so real and honest. Um, And so I want to read the beginning of one of her prayers to you. It says, Oh God, about hope, I am somewhat at a loss. You see, O'Connor desperately wanted to write a really good novel. She knew that she was talented, but she kept running into closed doors. And not only that, but she was also battling a debilitating illness that threatened to cut her writing career short. And in fact, that is what happened. Most of the works that we have from Flannery O'Connor are from after 
her death. She died when she was very young. So no wonder she felt at a loss when it came to hope. I have to admit that I also feel somewhat at a loss when it comes to hope. Henry Nouwen describes hope and waiting, the experience of waiting as an awful desert between where you are and where you want to go. I wonder if you have ever experienced that awful desert between where you are and where you want to go. Have you ever waited and waited for something and wondered if it would ever come true, like Flannery O'Connor did? Maybe like her, you've waited for a career opportunity, or you've waited to fulfill a dream, or you've waited for your health to be restored. Maybe you have waited for a friend or to get married, or you've waited for a relationship to be restored, or for someone that you love to turn back to you. I wonder if you know that crucible of longing and disappointment that is hope and waiting. Well, in our reading today, we meet two people who have known that crucible of longing and disappointment, who have waited in hope for what God had promised them, trusting God that he was at work, even as he acted in mysterious and unexpected ways to fulfill those promises. So um, I want you to imagine this scene. If you'd like, you can close your eyes. And just imagine that you are in the crowd in the outer courts of the Jerusalem temple. You're standing in this place that has stood there for a thousand years. And there are people milling about and... One of your friends, someone who's there with you, points out this old fellow over there and says, you know, that guy is just always here. And he's always here with that other woman too, Anna. They know more about what goes on in this place than anyone else. They participate in all the worship and the sacrifices. They're here for every festival. But there's something a little odd about them. They always seem to be unsatisfied, always waiting for something else, always muttering, yes, but just you wait. And then as you watch, you catch a glimpse of a young couple walking through with their baby. Their baby is really young, really small, and so you figure they must be here to dedicate their firstborn child and to perform their purification rites. You know, you really don't see many people coming to do that anymore, but this couple, they're not like flaunting their piety. It doesn't seem like they're doing it as a performance. They seem really humble and quiet, like they're not expecting anyone to notice them as they proceed through their purification ritual. But all of a sudden, someone does notice them, and and there's something of a commotion, And that old man and woman, Simeon and Anna, they have come over to this couple and their baby. And Simeon takes the baby in his arms. And as you watch, you see Simeon's face shine with joy and tears. And he sings this song. It it must be just what comes out of him in the moment. But it seems to you like it's a song that he's been waiting to sing for a really long time. And then Anna, she sings her own prayer to God as well. She says, she starts saying to anyone who will listen, see, I told you, it's the one that we've been waiting for, our deliverer. And as you watch all of this unfold, you think, 
You know, I always thought that she was a little bit off her rocker. Our deliverer, the promised one, is she talking about the Messiah? This is just a baby. How can that baby over there be the deliverer? And with the rest of the crowd, you shrug your shoulders, you roll your eyes, and you just keep walking. Simeon and Anna, you see, were people who knew something about waiting. Like them, we are people in the in-between. We're people who wait in hope for what is yet to come. And we're also people who rest in peace because of what we've already received. And so today we're going to look at those two things. We're going to look at how Simeon and Anna, what they say to us about waiting in hope and about resting in peace. First, waiting in hope. Simeon and Anna were in a difficult place. They had waited for a really, really long time for God to fulfill his promise to deliver Israel. But they never gave up hope that the object of their waiting would come, that God's promises would be fulfilled. Waiting characterized the remnant of Israel. It was, it was the thing that was most notable about the remnant. This probably sounds familiar to you. My soul waits for the Lord. That theme is everywhere in the Psalms and the Hebrew scriptures, isn't it? But not every person who dwelt in Israel was waiting. Many other people had compromised with the Romans or with military opposition to the Romans or with utopian dreams or with flight, separation, seclusion, or resignation. They'd just given up while they were waiting for the fulfillment of the messianic hope. While many other people had lost heart and become impatient in waiting for the Messiah, Simeon and Anna, along with some of the characters that we've already seen in this series, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary, they remained spiritually alive while they waited. And even as they neared the end of their life, Simeon and Anna saw that the object of their longing was still out of reach. And yet even then they waited in faith, trusting in the God of the promise and in his timing. So for someone like me, and apparently like Flannery O'Connor, who struggles with hope, I wonder how they were able to wait so faithfully. I wonder what characterized their hope, what set them apart well, I think one reason that they were able to wait so faithfully is that they walked with God while they waited. I want you to take a look at these pictures. We'll see the pictures. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so on the right um, is a picture of my dad and my brother doing yard work. This picture is taken candidly, not staged. Um, and on the left is a picture of me and my mom looking at a garden. Uh, again, candidly, not stage. Um, <laughs> you know, lots of kids start to walk like their parents, right? They adopt the um, gait and the stance of their parents. Because, you know, the more you walk with someone and watch them walk, the more you start to walk like they do. And Simeon and Anna had been walking with God for a very long time. 
Anna had literally lived in the temple for most of her very long life. And the only thing that we're told about Simeon is that he's righteous and devout. They both had spent so much time in prayer and worship and scriptures that they knew the way that God walked. They knew the pattern of his steps, the way he held his head and his hand. And they had started to walk like him too. And so when they saw what God had done, when they saw this baby, they recognized it. They said, this is familiar. So Simeon and Anna could wait faithfully because they walked with God. Another thing that characterized their hope is that they waited actively. If you're like me, you normally think of waiting as a passive thing, like you're driving down the road and you come up on some road work and the attendant there turns his sign from proceed with caution to stop, right, as you pull up. (laughs) This is what I think of as waiting. Something outside of my control is making me stop moving and just sit there passively waiting. But what we see from Simeon and Anna is active waiting. One of the most beautiful and remarkable things to me about this story of Simeon and Anna is the way that Simeon kept showing up to the temple every day. Even though he had gone home disappointed many times, Simeon didn't stop going to the temple waiting for the Messiah. He kept showing up at the temple every day wondering, is today the day? Is today the day that it will happen? Even as he got older and older, and maybe he started to wonder, did I mishear God? Or has the plan changed? Even then, he kept showing up to the temple. If you've waited for something for a long time, then you know how painful it can be to continue to wait in the face of God's apparent silence. The easy way out is to stop hoping just to shove that longing for God to be faithful down far enough that it doesn't sting anymore. But those who wait and hope, like Simeon and Anna, they're present to every moment because they know that every moment is a moment in which God is at work. This is hard work, and I will be honest and tell you that I am a student in this work. But Simeon is giving me a glimpse of what it might look like instead of losing hope or becoming cynical to protect myself from disappointment, to keep showing up with curiosity and expectation that God is at work, to present my longings before God again, not with cynicism, but with curiosity, to say, God is here. What is he doing? So Simeon and Anna walked with God as they waited, and they waited actively. And finally, Simeon and Anna waited with open hands. We don't exactly know what Simeon was expecting when we're told that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We don't know exactly what he thought that might be, but I bet you that a baby in the arms of a teenage girl from the middle of nowhere was not it. He says in his song, for my eyes have seen your salvation. A baby may have, seen the, may have been the last thing that Simeon was expecting, but he was willing to accept it, that this was the answer, the way that God was working to fulfill his promises. 
Simeon knew that salvation and deliverance and redemption, they belong to God and that God would deliver and redeem in his way. Simeon kept showing up with expectancy. He kept going to the temple every day, but his expectancy was a humble, open-handed one. He knew that God would be God. I think it's important to note here that Simeon and Anna are waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises, not just the fulfillment of their wishes. God isn't a spiritual Santa Claus. I really wish he was. <laughs> God is a God who's dedicating, he's dedicated to the fulfillment of his promises and his purposes in and through us because he loves us and he wants us to be fully human. He wants us to live as his new humanity. And that means that a lot of times we have to submit our hopes in humility before God. Our hopes must always be open-handed. I want you to consider each of the characters that we've seen so far in these songs in the book of Luke. Um, none of their lives have been anything like they expected. Consider Elizabeth and Zechariah, who were not able to have children until long after they thought that that was possible. Anna lost her husband at a really young age and spent most of her life as a widow, probably living in the temple as a beggar. And... Just last week, we saw um, Mary express her joy in song about being able to care, bear this Messiah. And then today, um, in verses 34 to 35, we see Simeon prophesy to her that this child that she's just born will be rejected by many, that he'll live a life of suffering, and even that she herself won't be spared from the suffering. We're reminded here again that this kingdom that has come through this baby is not going to look the way people expected. Oftentimes, the way God fulfills his promise, his promises to us is unexpected. And so it's a radical stance to wait with humble and open hands, open-handed humility to hold our expectations and our longings before the throne of God. So I wonder what you are waiting for. In what way are you longing for God to show up, to deliver, to heal, to restore? Simeon and Anna show us how to wait in hope, how to walk with God as we wait, how to wait actively, how to wait with open hands, trusting that God will make good on his promises in his way. So after all that waiting, Simeon and Anna finally receive what they've been waiting for the consolation of Israel, the Messiah, everything in the temple, the songs, the sacrifices, the promises, the prophecies, every single one of them had pointed to this day when the glory of God would arrive in the person of the Messiah. And that day had come and it has come. And that means that we, along with Simeon and Anna, are not only people who wait in hope, we're also people who rest in peace because we've received the Messiah. In verse 29, Simeon says, Sovereign Lord, you, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He's been waiting all of his life to see the fulfillment of God's promises, and now it's been accomplished, and he's ready to die. 
Oz Guinness is a Christian writer. You may have heard of him. And he tells a story in one of his books about the famous American jazz saxophonist, John Coltrane. Um, and he says that John Coltrane almost died of an overdose um, at some point during his adult life. And that close encounter with death really changed him. It marked him. One way that it changed him is that it brought him to the Lord. He became a Christian. And another way um, is that it inspired him to write his best work, A Love Supreme. And Guinness tells this story. I don't know if it's true or not, but he says it is. Um, Guinness tells this story about one particularly fantastic performance of A Love Supreme. And as John Coltrane walked off the stage, someone heard him mutter, Nuke Demidis. Nuke Demidis is the Latin name for this song, for Simeon's song. It's the first two Latin words of the phrase, now let your servant depart in peace. Coltrane was recalling the sense that Simeon had that he had fulfilled his calling. He had done what he had been put on this earth to do. Finally, he had gotten what he had longed for, and he was at peace. But, you know, I find it interesting that we're told that Simeon had been waiting all these years for the consolation of Israel. It makes me wonder, what consolation is a baby? A baby can't overthrow the Romans. A baby can't restore a kingdom. A baby can't really do much of anything. So what consolation did this baby Jesus bring to the Jews? When Simeon held that infant in his hands and identified him as the Messiah and sang the song, Israel didn't immediately, uh, they weren't immediately delivered from Roman oppression. Simeon was still poor all his problems were still there, really. And in fact, things would actually go from bad to worse for the Jews in the coming decades. Instead of being delivered as a people and gathered under a king, the temple was destroyed and the Jews were scattered. So what consolation does this baby Jesus bring? What Simeon saw when he saw this baby was the confirmation that God had been faithful. The Messiah that God had promised for so many years had finally come. And Simeon knew in that moment, he knew we're going to be okay. When Simeon, who had waited for so long, when he held the baby Jesus in his arms, he received something that allowed him to continue to wait. He received something that was at work in him, like a seed that had started to grow or a light that had started to dawn or frozen ground that had started to thaw. Along with Simeon and Anna, we are people who are waiting for something that has already begun in us. The seed has started to grow. The light has started to dawn. And that's really important. Simeon's song reflects the big picture of this narrative of redemption. He sees in this baby God's purposes being fulfilled for all nations, for Jews and for Gentiles. And he doesn't know exactly how that will work out, but he knew that he lived in a story in which God had promised to restore the brokenness of creation. And he had seen the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise. It's as if Simeon's song is saying to God, okay, God, now that you have placed your son in my hand, I place my life in your hands. I've seen your salvation. I'm ready to go. 
I have peace. Even though everything has not been reconciled, the Romans were still occupying Israel. Simeon was still poor. Problems were still everywhere. Anna was still a widow. He could die in peace because Jesus is the light and the darkness, the confirmation of God's faithfulness to fulfill his promises. So friends, today we live in a very different part of the story than Simeon and Anna did. Along with Simeon and Anna, we receive Jesus as confirmation of God's faithfulness to us. But we've also seen more than they have. We've seen that Jesus is also the consolation of Israel and that he forgives sins and offers new creation life. We've seen we have even more peace at our impending death than Simeon did because we know that in Christ we have the promise of resurrection. And yet, even as we have seen the seed beginning to grow and the light beginning to dawn and the snow beginning to thaw, we're still waiting for the completion of God's redemption. We're still waiting for the end of the night. So here in our part of the story, as we wait and long for God to show up, to heal and to restore, to console us, to deliver us from what afflicts us, how do we wait faithfully? Well, I don't know what you're waiting for. I assume everyone here is waiting for something. I don't know what it is. But I do wonder what God might be inviting you into as you wait in faithfulness. So I want to offer um, three, quickly, three practices that might help us walk with him as we wait. So the first practice that I want to mention is community. If you've waited for a long time for something, then you know that it is so hard to continue to bring our wishes before God. It's so hard not to squash them with cynicism or to take it into our own hands and demand that it be accomplished on our own terms. It can be painful, excruciatingly painful to continue to do that when you can't hope anymore, when you've been disappointed many times, when you're tempted to despair, when you think, I've asked for the same thing a thousand times and I can't do it one more time. You need somebody else to hold your hope on your behalf. So the first practice is to find a community, even just one other believer who can hold hope for you when you can't anymore. The next practice is lament. Lamenting is telling God about your disappointment. Lamenting isn't complaining. Lamenting is talking honestly to the one person who needs to know. <laughs> it's saying to God, why did you let this happen? Where were you? Why didn't you do something? It's saying what you feel, what you wonder, what you're curious about, what you question, what you wish for. If you need help finding the words to do this, we have a lot of rich resources in the scriptures, in the Psalms, in the book of Job's. There's an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations. Lament is such an important part of putting our wishes and our longings before the throne of God with humility and with open hands and with trust. 
And the third practice is liturgy. Um, a few weeks ago, Corey mentioned that many liturgical communities, monasteries, abbeys around the world, start their day with Zeph uh, Zechariah's Benedictus. And many of those same communities also end their day with Simeon's Nuke Demetis. Each night, the Compline ends with Simeon's song and uh, echoing those very same, this very same sort of piece that we heard from Simeon. It's as if to say, God, you've been faithful to me today. I've seen the light in the darkness. And even though there is so much more that I'm waiting for, now I can rest in peace. So when, we're, when we continue to walk with God as we're waiting for our hope to be fulfilled, when we're in seasons of darkness and despair, when we're watching for the light to dawn, sometimes the structure of liturgy can help us can give us a way to stay connected to God. So you might find the prayers of Compline helpful. You can find them in any book of common prayer or really just online anywhere. Um, or you might even just want to say, you might even just want to pray Simeon's song at night before you go to bed as a way to say, there is still so much that I'm waiting for God, but I've seen your salvation and I can rest in peace. Friends, the light has dawned. The snow is melting. The seed is growing. God is with us. Even as we wait in hope, let us rest in peace. Amen. Let's pray. God, the consolation that we have is that you are with us. You have come. You have been faithful to us. And so I pray, God, as you um, remain with us as we wait in hope that you would give us peace, that you would allow us to rest in your peace, in the peace of your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.